G'day dickwads, and welcome to the 26th edition of Cinema Effect. This is actually halfway through the year. We have now officially, unlike what I'd said, done half a year of these somehow. I'm Zach and I'm joined by the third revelation, the third John Cena, Liam. Hello. I'm, uh, I'm surprised you went with that intro, Zach. Not gonna lie. Mm. Pretty bold, because, I mean, like, we were talking about it last week, and to jump straight into that one, that's a... That, that was the goal. That was the goal. And uh, we've got potentially the false prophet, Jaden. Mm. Hi. Well, for the uninitiated, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single week. The show posts every Monday. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, listen to the show, rate us. We appreciate all of that. Follow the Instagram page for all of the latest updates. And uh, remember to submit your questions, thoughts, reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comments section. Anything you write there, we'll read at the end of the show. But our specific question of the week we'll be asking you is, what's your favourite movie dog? All right, what's your favourite dog in any movie? You've got plenty of options. All right, we all love some some dog movies. At least, you know, I'd like to think we all do, right? So. uh Get on that one. Let us know. This week we're reviewing There Will Be Blood, which opened in the US on the 26th of December 2007. It was directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. It had, uh, The genre is a drama, I guess, but like, this is where, does this, what is the definition of a period piece? Is this a period piece? And does that even count as a genre of something? Yeah, this is, this is a period piece. Mm, yeah. Well, I guess most of his films are period pieces, video, he kind of always does a specific time. Yeah. I don't because I just had the thought because, like, a period piece, all it's saying is that the movie is set in a, in a, a time of old, in an age of old, right? But, like, that's not really a genre. That's just the setting. So, I don't know. But yeah, but for, for, for films like, um, you know, like, like a... Yeah, you know, like Pride and Prejudice and like she, she like she, she like that, you know, that in in terms of like films like that, that's where a period piece kind of becomes a genre, you know. I mean that's just like a romance though, isn't it? Yeah, but I feel you like it's a closer. Yeah, I don't know. Are those situations where like the story in some way relies on or is very much dependent on like the time period itself, would you say? Yeah, Finny, I'm gonna be honest, I have no idea. Cool. I mean, I, I I don't know Pride and Prejudice, but like, yeah. Terrific. This is the kind of high quality discussion we love. Anyway, <laughs> the synopsis for this movie is a story of family, religion, hatred, oil and madness, focusing on a turn of the century prospector in the early days of the business. Dude, that's a killer synopsis. God, that's like, that's like a top tier blurb on the back of a book. You know what I mean? I love it. Better than the right. movie. Oh, Jane, you, you have to start now. Go. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just kidding. I'm just taking the piss because I know how how much you two love this film. Um, I didn't think it was all that, but like I still I still did, you know, like it. Um, I think it severely dropped off after this first act, though. Um, but I guess we'll chat about that. All right, Fitzy. Now it's your turn to sing its praises. No, yeah, you guys know how much I love it. I think it's brilliant. I think like every element of it is just top-notch, like the cinematography, the acting, the... I mean, I can't really fault it, so... Very good, very good. I mean, my I kind of had an arc with this movie, I think, where 
I mean, fits your test. I didn't love it when I watched it the first time. I thought it was good. I appreciated its technical aspects, but um, I don't know. The first time I watched it, I was kind of I was bored a bit, mainly because I don't know. It could have been a mood thing. It could have been a thing of like I mean, you know, this movie definitely isn't for everyone. It's not an overly accessible movie, really. But um, I didn't really know what it was when I first watched it, and I dive into you know the the bloody first fifteen minutes are so so deliberate in every way, and they're just so oh, just so drawn out and so kind of precision perfect sort of in what they're trying to do but for me just jumping into this movie I'm like well I don't know what the hell this movie is and then kind of that's what I'm met with you know I'm met with just no dialogue forever crazy sounds and music and just pure acting I was like this is kind of jarring right now but um so no I thought it was good the first time I watched it but I kind of grew to appreciate it a lot more having discussions with Fitzy about it over time and also just thinking back on it I think. Um, so no, I was really looking forward to watching it this time with the knowledge of the story and my expectations in mind. And I watched it and oh, I just loved it so much. I was surprised because I thought that there was still a chance I'd be bored at points. And I was rarely bored. I was really bored. I was so engrossed in everything. And parts that I thought kind of went forever the first time really didn't go that long this time. I think maybe because I was watching with subtitles really helped as well. Um, and that kind of cleared up some confusing things for me um you know the twi- the twins thing being kind of notorious that was you know i think confusing to most people the first time but um no so that helped with a ton of things and i was just all in on this second rewatch and no i loved it i loved it and i don't know i just think i just think this movie is dripping all over with personality and with character everywhere um and, you know, is there any better place to start than Daniel Day-Lewis? Let's just get it out of the way, okay? Because everyone on planet Earth, you know, knows about his performance here. We all know how good of an actor he is, but he is, in every single way, the heart of this movie, the character is, and his performance brings it to life so well. And I think this speaks for the entire movie. It's not very grounded, you know? it's not. A, I wouldn't call Daniel Plainview, or at least... Day-Lewis's portrayal of him, a really grounded character or a realistic character. It's not a great performance because of how it sells you on this guy's kind of real. As a matter of fact, it's kind of the opposite. Like the performance is often hyperbolic and kind of exaggerated and off the wall um, and feels like it doesn't really belong in the real world, but feels like it belongs in this movie. Um, that's kind of what I love about it, I guess. Sorry, I'm rambling on here, but um, this movie has so much character and I think... Day-Lewis kind of brings a lot of that to it. But, um, but yeah, how do we feel about play and view slash Daniel Day-Lewis in this movie? Yeah, like, does, isn't he in, like, every scene or, like, 99% of them? Yes. Like, I'm pretty sure. Right? I think so. Off the, yeah. Well, off the top of my head, I can only think of, you know, very brief shots, you know, when they're hanging out in little Boston there and there's a there's a handful of shots that are like, you know, random characters arriving from the train station or whatever or on the train. Like, he's not in a few of those shots, I guess, but that's, yeah, pretty much it. Did you did you like the character, I guess? But, you know, performance excluded, you know, like I said, I think I kind of covered everything pretty good. We, we all get it. He's great. Um, but the character is really something else to me as well. I think it's easy to give, you know, the actor credit, but everything on the page as well just really 
I don't know, just full of personality. But um, do you like Plainview as a person, maybe? Maybe morally that's where we should go with this. I don't know. I mean, like, you, you're, not, you're not supposed to like him as a person. I, th- like, I thought that was, that's pretty evident, is it not? Like, like, we can... I think in the first act, you know, we can kind of root for him. In the second act, we can still kind of get behind him, even though as he kind of crumbles a bit. But by the, by, by the end of the film, I don't think he's someone that we're meant to like. No, yeah, no, I don't think so. Although I love him anyway. I think he's not like a moral character, but he's like very noble because of his, you know, his determination and his like willingness to do everything himself. Basically, that that also kind of yeah. drives him to, you know, to like having no one in his life. And like one thing I thought about this time was that there is actually no family member that Dan- that Daniel ever sees in the film. Um. There's only his fake son and his fake brother, and so it's kind of like a long, yeah, it's like a lifelong struggle or loneliness for him. But I mean, at the same time, he kind of he does bring it upon himself, like just his like you know his search for control and stuff. And I mean, it kind of it's a good companion piece to uh, Punch Drunk Love because um, I know not Punch um. Phantom Thread, I mean. Oh, um, right, It's yeah. kind of like, you can kind of see, like, the character in that film is kind of more, he's just as, like, controlling and, like, I guess, uh, I don't know, like, his own thing, but he's also just, you know, he's able to make that sacrifice in the end. Uh, do you mm. know what I mean? Like... Yeah, 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 definitely. He's headstrong in his own ways of just, you know, my way or the highway for it, very colloquially, if I want to say it like that, you know, but totally. No, at the end of that movie, you see a compromise, whereas you don't really see that at all here. While we're talking about characters and stuff, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not sure how much you, if you're going to bring it up later, but like, I, I had no idea that Paul Dano was in this film and I was really excited to see him. Oh, wow. Because um, I, I, I love him. I think he's great. But um, I was rather disappointed by him in this film. Like, I, like, I just thought his performance wasn't, you know, there. Really? Yeah, I like, I, I, I just wasn't. I mean, like, I, I just didn't buy him as this, you know, Sunday church, you know, preacher that's this over the top. You know, it, 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 I, I just did not buy into his role at all. Um, I'm not sure whether that's because of my preconceived ideas of him as an actor. But um, I, I could I could not get behind him. Well, um, do you, well, are you? I feel like I don't buy him into him in that role either, but because yeah. he's not that, you know what I mean? That's not who he is. He's kind of he's kind of full of shit like the whole time, right? Uh, and let, I don't know if that's exactly what you meant by that. Like maybe you do mean on a more technical level, like the performance just didn't connect with you in that way. But I, I didn't buy him as the preacher either. And I don't know if you're meant to, you know. Yeah, yeah, weirdly enough, I, like, I would agree, like, with everything Jaden said, because, like, he's, like, Paul Dano's character and, well, Eli and Daniel are supposed to be, you know, foils for each other in the film, in the way that, you know, Daniel's mm-hmm. business is something that he actually cares about and he's determined in, and Eli just uses his religion for, you know, capital and profit, basically. He doesn't actually believe all that she's saying, That's that's part of why Daniel hates him so much. It's because he actually doesn't have that, like, uh, you know, nobility or thing that he actually 
uh, what's this drive for? I care about. Yeah, like, he yeah, like, well, feels like a fake, you know. And are you going? Definitely. Is is that what you were talking about, Jaden? Or yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, no, I understand all that, and like that, like I, I, I do get that throughout the, you know, throughout the film. I think it's pretty plain, but um, I, I still wasn't able to get behind the performance, knowing that he was, you know, putting on this charade, you know, that he was hiding behind sure. this veneer of religion. You know, I, I, it's um, for him to have played that character better, I, 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 I think it should have been a stronger, like you know, like like as in like you know, like emotionally and physically stronger, uh, like, you know, like, like the fact that, you know, Daniel just like straight up slaps him around in that one scene, you know, like, like it, it really, it really took me out. Cause like, I feel like someone of, of that, that's trying to, that's trying to like, you know, use religion and, you know, exploit it to, for his own benefit. You know, you'd think it'd be better, you know, you think he'd be a stronger person than that. And like, he, he wouldn't be he wouldn't allow for that to occur. And like, that's why like, you know, uh. cause we're kind of constantly seeing him, you know, being like a, sniveling little slob you know like like you know it, it just felt like you know chalk and cheese as to what it's meant to be you know interesting interesting okay because yeah i kind of yeah he i kind of see it as you know he just is this little little shit basically he's just kind of using the tool he has or the skill he you know he has like which i guess is his uh his bravado his theatrics you know to his advantage to kind of manipulate everyone around him but so so hang on so I guess the most acting, the, the the very very most acting, you know, that's a sentence, but I think you'll know what I mean. Is when he, he carries on in the actual church sessions and you know pushes the, the bloody devils out of the room or whatever, and he's carrying on like a pork chop. Is that that kind of overacting to you? Is that is that what you're talking about, or is it just more? No, what that, you mentioned with that that's fine because that's just what American church is like, you know. I mean, like we 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 all sure, sure. know, you know, like that that's what you know the hardcore Baptists are like, and you know they're, they're screaming in their sermons and shit. So like, like that was that was not a problem to me. Like it, like it, it made me roll my eyes a bit because you know I I, I, I I hate seeing that like because it's just not you know that's not what religion is to me. I guess like that's not that's my own personal thing. But you know that's that, like that's not my issue with the character. My issue kind of kind of comes with you know where he kind of. I, I, I guess he picks and chooses weird battles for me, if, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I guess you're right, because he does kind of... He, he takes a strong position in that he's going to bloody storm down there and confront Plainview, and then he does, he's a pushover in that way, I guess. I liked that, but uh, no, I see what you mean. I, I feel like Eli and Daniel in this in this movie, they're, as a pair, like, Fitz is 100% right. They're foils, obviously. Um, that's the best pairing of a foil of characters like maybe i've ever said in a movie for me where it runs so deep and obviously you know i really love both performances so you know that helps obviously but i don't know it's this weird thing where they at first glance seem polar opposite you come to kind of at least me as the movie goes on see their similarities and then I, I pretty quickly I was thinking like oh, okay are these two really much different from each other you know what I mean and then then climaxing towards the end you kind of go back to seeing their differences but the differences aren't the same differences as you had at the start it kind of continues to progress really strongly where you realize how they're both basically trying to do a similar thing Eli's trying to, you know, create status for himself, feel like a, a powerful figure in this community through his church and all that and through his bloody acting and shit. And 
that kind of puts him in a similar place to Daniel. But then, like Fitzy said, it, when you get towards the end there and you realise Eli lacks the conviction, the, 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 the dedication, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, synonyms for those words, that Daniel does. And that's why he beats the shit out of him with a friggin' bowling pin, which is so good. Um, what, what did you think of the soundtrack, Jaden? I didn't have an issue with the soundtrack, but I had an issue with the way it was mixed. I thought in, especially in the first act, and I think it probably persisted into the second act as well, it, it, it was far too prevalent in the scene, um, if you get what I mean. Like, um, with that opening shot, like, you know, it's it felt overly dramatic for what it was. I mean, it's just, you know, a, a shot of this, you know, rock formation, whatever. And then, but then, and like, I was like, all right, I can get, I can get past that. But then because it remains so prevalent, so overly dramatic in the next like 15 minutes, like, I think like the, like musically it's fantastic, but like, it just felt, it, it, like, it, it didn't feel like it fit to me, you know? Okay. Yeah. I kind of get that. I kind of get it. Uh, for me, watching it the second time, like kind of knowing what's go- going on in the future and knowing the entire arc of the story, it worked for me much more. Where I kind of felt the intensity at the start, you know, knowing what's coming. But I, but when you say that though, and you're like, yeah, we're just looking at rock formations, and I think later on, yeah, it just seems kind of standard shots we're getting with this crazy as shit music that you feel like you'd kind of get as a character murders another character or something. Like, like, yeah, it was it was great. And uh, Johnny Greenwood did a really good job, but um, it, it didn't feel like it, it belonged there. And I mean, Finney brought up a good point that, like, you know, it it, it feels like it, it belongs with someone murdering someone else, and it kind of makes me think, you know, was you know, you know how, like, you know, in we see like the the mind collapse, whatever, and that dude dies, and you know, was that actually Daniel Plainview murdering someone with an unsafe workplace, some shit like that? But um, yeah, no, I I, I stick by it being. All right. Well, with the opening sequence, like we mentioned, has no dialogue forever, um, which really is unique, but it makes it stand out, I guess. But the first time I watched it, I, I felt like I didn't really remember it. I felt like, oh, yeah, at the start, don't we just watch people mine for oil, dig a hole and for like 15 minutes? But I, I was totally wrong. Like Watching it again this time, I realized how packed with story that 15 minutes is, and I, it was clearly, yeah, I'd completely forgotten it. Um and I think this is probably the best example of uh, PTA's direction in the entire movie. Like, obviously, I think it's top-notch across the board. But in this first 15 minutes, the way in which he's able to communicate so much story to you, to the audience, purely through shots and the order of shots, um, and, and, yeah, characters say nothing, basically. And I think that's really effective because, you know, we, we get little you get the time jumps we start off with plain view just you know working his ass off we see him break his leg and he has to climb out of the well like immediately great i get it he's been through some shit perfect communicated to me very well and then yeah and then time jumps occur he's been at this shit forever we get the shot of him kind of what he was like signing his bank balance or some bullshit he's making no money out here um and and so on and so forth until you you know the the dude dies unsafe workplace like jaden mentioned he gets HW, he sings to HW, like all, all these beats are coming and they're all strongly giving me a, a great message here of what this story is without saying anything. So I really appreciated that the second time. Yeah. I think it was a great think, setup. Yeah. But um, I, I saw a comment regarding the film, like um, that, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis staring at, you know, the baby HW 
you know, for like a couple of, you know, for like 30, 40 seconds, however long it is, it like sums up the movie pretty well. Like, well, it sums up the character at least. And, you know, nothing's even said because in, in the fact that, you know, Plainview is looking at, you know, this child as nothing but a, a device um, for exploits, you know. He, 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 in his head, you know, we mm. see the, the gears clicking as he's trying to figure out how he can exploit this child to make more of a profit. Do you, do you believe it's that plain and simple though? Um, because th- that is definitely a side of it, a hundred percent. And I don't doubt that in that moment, he probably is thinking that in that very moment. Um, yeah. that's the note it starts on. I get that. That's the note it also ends on. But I personally oh, no, he, he don't did, believe that's it. He did care for HW a lot. I think. I think like you know it, when he's like ten, nine or ten or however long it, however old he is, it's obvious that like, he he actually does you know, care for the child to, to an extent. But the mm. fact that the, the, the relationship was formed off that notion of, you know, I can milk you, um, like it, it, it kind of invalidates everything else. In, is invalidate a word? I don't even know. We're just going to continue making shit up on the show. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, like it, it undermines perhaps the relationships as well, is, is, is more what I was looking for. But I think I think sure, well, there yeah. there is a yeah. there is a degree of love there. I mean, I think it's most evident when like you know the the the, the well explodes or whatever, and we, you know we see HW loses hearing for the first time and playing music out there. But then but then you know in, in my mind a question was he running out there to to save his child because he loves him, or was he running out there to save him because you know he's not done using him? Well, um, he he um when that happens. Like he 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 gets HW to the little house or whatever, and then he goes out and he's looking at the uh, he's looking at the the oil that's you know burning that's on fire and um, I think his partner I don't know his name but his partner says like is HW okay and he says no there oh and he's kind of like yeah. has a blank expression like he's kind of he's like hundred percent focused on the oil there so mm. he, he he's like always like either just it's a bit, of, yeah. It's a bit of both, I guess. Um, but there, there is a, like a point in the movie where he, he like starts to not care for him. I guess. Yeah, he gets too invested in his uh, pursuits. I guess. But yeah, he does. He yeah. definitely love him as a start. Oh, I, I don't know. Like at the start, as Jaden said, maybe he just used him, was using him at the start, but he definitely grew for him. And, like, one of my favorite shots in the movie is just, like, the baby, uh, like, grabbing his mustache, Daniel's mustache on the train. Um, yeah, I think I think that's the last shot of, the like, the first 15 minutes of it is, yeah. no dialogue. And it kind of just sets the uh, movie up really well, and it's just kind of a great... I just love that shot, yeah. Definitely. I think... Um, the whole... Sorry. Sorry, Jane. No, uh, I was it was kind of a wrap up. Like, I, I like I, I think he did love him because, like, even like when he jumps to nineteen twenty seven, the fact that he's angered at that he that HW wants to start his own operation in Mexico, I, I think it shows that there's there's a degree of care there that you know he the fact that HW is leaving him and he doesn't want that. Whether again, you know, that's for money purposes or love, I don't know. But it it kind of seemed like he still did care. But, right. Yeah. yeah. I I actually got like emotional in that scene where uh hw as like an adult comes to him and they're like you know they're they're talking about that 
And HW says, like, oh, I think, thank God I have none of you in me, because it's kind of just like... Like, I, I think the movie is emotionally effective once you, like, kind of see all the subtleties and see that, like, you know, Daniel does love him, and it's kind of a tragedy, the whole story. But, like, he still has admirable qualities, but it is, like, a tragedy in the end. But, uh... Right. Yeah. But, um, did, did the movie bore you at all, Jaden? Or, like, you said it fell off after the first act? Yeah, and, like, that's something I was... Uh, like, I have no idea as to why this occurred, because literally nothing changes. I mean, like, the it, it, it like, um... Like, like, so, like, I, I was entirely invested in the first act. I was, I was, I was enthralled. I loved what I was watching. I was like, this is epic. But then, I mean, like, after that oil fire, I mean, like, I, I was just out of it. And it makes no sense as to why I was, because nothing changes. The pacing remains the same. The music, the story, the characters, everything remains the same. But for some reason, like, from that point onwards. Which, which, uh, which fire are you talking about? Sorry, the oil fire when like when 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 HW gets goes deaf, yeah, like for like from that point onwards, I was just kind of out of it, and like there was moments like like when um when Henry came into the picture, I, was, I kind of grew more interested again, but for some reason I just couldn't make that connection for the you know for a good portion of the film, like you know a good like hour and forty five minutes, however long it was, I was unable to fully get behind it. Do you? Do you admire Daniel's good qualities? Because like I, I, I feel like you're talking about parts where Daniel is just alone, and you're, you know, you know, with, you're not seeing the relationship. You're just seeing more Daniel. Mm, sorry, say again, because like, do you do you see the good qualities or like admire the qualities that uh Daniel Plainview like has? What that is driven that yeah like all like all that not really because 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 when i think about what drives him like you kind of just look at the underlying negative tones because yeah he is driven but he's only doing so for money like you know yeah he's a family man but he's a family man for exploitive purposes you know like like, like i feel like for any reason that, that there's a good thing behind him there's a negative yeah. reason under that okay like that's interesting because i think that's where like, I can understand why you wouldn't uh, be invested in that point. Because, like, I, I, when I see Daniel's determination, I kind of see the, the work as kind of an end in itself. Like, he wants the money, of course, but he's, it's kind of like, it, it's, it's, it's its own kind of, like, I don't want to call it art, an art form, but it's like, it's its own kind of thing for him. Like, this thing for oil that he has isn't, to me, like, not just for money, it's kind of his whole, you know, purpose in life or whatever. But, like, the fact that you see the monetary game, which, like, I can understand, uh, like, that makes me understand why you wouldn't be as invested in, uh, in Daniel, I guess. Mm. Do, do, does that purpose, do you think, relate to, you know, like you mentioned, he hates people? on a very surface level, you know, hates people, wants to get away from people, wants to live by himself, all that shit, which he very much ends up doing. Right. Is that what you're talking no, about? No, you? I'm not talking about just a solitary, like, oh, he wants to get enough. Like, as he said, like, that. that's what he says, but I don't think that's his actual, like, driving force. I think the driving force is the business and is, like, like, kind of creation itself. Like, he creates the... Like, him just doing, you know, getting the silver at the start... She says, he says, like, there she is. Like, it's like, it's something that's, that's beautiful to him, you know? 
and uh, him like creating the uh, the oil well like designed by someone else. It's kind of something that it's something that he's actually passionate about. I feel, and like I think like if Jaden doesn't. If Jaden just sees the monetary thing side of it, like that's fine. I can like completely understand that because a lot of the movie is about how he's just, you know, a greedy bitch. But um, you know, that, that's I I guess I see that other side of him a lot more personally. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally. I, I personally absolutely admire his his uh the, the the those characteristics about him for sure. I do. I mean, you know. I don't appreciate how he does it, uh, you know, obviously. I don't think his drive to grow his business and, and, you know, earn money and grow his empire essentially is at all a bad thing. I just, you know, obviously you should be treating people fairly and, and well when you do it and he doesn't, so I can't admire that. But I absolutely admire the, the core of, of that aspect of it. And I, yeah, no, I agree with you because I think it is that thing of, in real life, you know, we see so often with the, these these entrepreneurs or these people that have built enormous empires or, or businesses or whatever, you know, on, on their own essentially, or, or they are the driving force behind that. And you see how they earn all the money in the world, but they continue to work their asses off every day. And I think that is that same sort of, you know, characteristic in Daniel that we see in, in real people. I think it's a very real thing that people have. That's kind of, you know, can't be described or there's no real end, as you said, other than that. Right. Well, I, I, I do think he has, like, somewhat of a moral code. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, is the unsafe... The, the death at the start, is that... Like, would you call that a product of its times, or can you, like, blame Daniel? For that? No, that's a product. Like, that, that's not that's that's not Daniel's fault. I mean, like, he was down there, too. He, he had every chance of being crushed as well. Um, oh, that's yeah. Not, that's his fault. Victim. Yeah. That, 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 that's a product of the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw, I saw that, and you know, I think everything we're talking about right now links back to the title in a really great way. I love the title of the movie so much; it's probably one of my favorite movie titles I've ever heard. Um, there will be blood, you know, to to get to the position that Daniel is in, or he wants to, you know, that he wants to get to the end we're talking about. There is going to be shit's going to go down along the way, you know what I mean? Whether it's his fault or not, and a lot of the time it is, and a lot of the time it is, and I think that's an example of, you know. To get to the top, he needs to use this new machinery. He needs to come up with new methods to be more efficient, obviously. And in the process of doing that, he loses people. And there was an accident and the same thing, you know, they lost another dude later in the movie too and and, and so on. And, of course, and that's just discounting the, the personal losses he suffers as well. He loses his son, obviously, in the process of all this as well. Um, yeah, no, I think that all links back to it. Yeah, and he has someone who's comes to imitate him, you know, uh, imitate his brother as well. And, like, he feels mm. that loss as well. But, like, yeah, exactly. that's... You can, you can see, like, yeah, one of his elements is obviously this controlling nature, and that's... I just like how it's shown in smaller ways in the movie, like, when they first arrive on the farm and, uh, you know, they're hunting for quail and they're like, he asks HW to get the, uh, the water instead of, you know, the Eli family or whatever. And that, that he kind of does that like for everything, you know. And it's like it's it's hard because it's like it's it's so it's it's admirable, but it's also just it's his downfall, you know. And that's like that dichotomy is like part of just why I love the film so much and how it's just shown like so subtly through 
through just like you know his face just the entire film is uh yeah it's incredible definitely definitely i feel like that's a good cap on kind of everything that we've talked about so far is that the whole film to me is a dichotomy it's a dichotomy obviously between eli and uh and bloody uh god daniel it's a uh dichotomy when we're discussing does he care about his son does he not does he it, does he you know why is he doing this um is he actually courteous or not it's just kind of it's crazy it kind of has you all over the place with him because totally when he he is so polite on on that surface level it's hard to just not you know as i feel like maybe as human beings we kind of just when we see that it's hard to not on some way connect with it or appreciate it as soon as we see it you know so that kind of something that's something that never really leaves you i don't think you kind of still remember that even if it is bullshit and that's another thing you would ask is it bullshit well probably yeah, cause like that's kind of got me thinking now. Like, the, like, cause like when um when he like he he makes sure that um Mary is is her name. Like, she, like he he asks, you know, no more beatings or whatever. And he, he makes sure that she, that she's alright. I I kind of the first time I kind of perceived that as like, you know, him being a genuinely good person and ensuring that this little girl's okay. But now I kind of perceive it as was this another way of, you know, like exerting his control over Eli and like the Sunday family and making sure that. Wow. They can't, yeah. you know, him imposing himself on their yeah. life. Hadn't even thought of that. Well, yeah. um, the, like, I think the other times where I thought, yeah, it was just him, uh, do, like, trying to look after Mary. But I think, um, like, I think, like, a couple of minutes earlier in the film, you see uh, Henry talk about, talk about how Mary, uh, sorry, how Mary was, you know, abused by her dad and then you can see the you can you can see the slight like pain in Daniel's face when he can see that his son is hurt by that so he it, to me he's actually doing that for HW um yeah to me he's actually doing that for HW uh because he feels bad about Mary being uh feeling bad you know speaking of Henry how do we feel about Henry in this movie because he, I don't know how to feel about it. Um, when he turned up, he, he was the only part of the movie I'd actually like completely, completely forgotten, dude. When, when he turned up in this this rewatch, I'm like, wait, what's happening? What? He, he's got a he's got a brother. What? I, I completely it escaped me completely. I don't know how do you guys feel about him because he was. I feel like he's kind of forgettable. That that whole aspect of the movie, maybe there is. We do get some conversations with him that seem to have some thematic depth, depth, which is interesting, but I feel like it's just kind of a 20-minute section of the movie that I don't know if I need. Like, when Daniel kills him and, the, like, when he actually reads the diary of his, like, his actual brother and he cries, that's, like, the first time in the film I think he actually, like, shows some kind of, like, pain or emotion that's actually, like, like really aff- affecting him. So uh, you could call that just a plot device to get to that i guess but it is important in the grand scheme of the film i think um, that's true yeah, that's the, fact, true. The, fact, the fact that he has no family and the fact that he's like you know alone his whole life and everyone else is just an imposter kind of or feels like an imposter to him by the end definitely definitely and i can see how like even though you know henry didn't kill his brother or you know fake henry didn't kill real henry or whatever um 
I could see, yeah, from his perspective, how he would feel like he was kind of, yeah, you know, he was definitely cheated, and he'd feel like he'd be kind of robbed in some way by by that, by feeling like he had met his brother and he did have that connection, and it was kind of taken away from him. So wait, hang on. So, oh, yo, this is this is the only part of the movie I found weird. Why did HW light the fire in the cabin? Did he just was that a result of him being deaf and he didn't know what he was doing or something? He read the diary, and I think he knew that it was not that was not him. Um, that got it. Got it. There's, yeah, one scene in the film I, I don't understand is like just before that. Hen, uh, Daniel is like, you know, he, D- Daniel is like chugging the milk into HW. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I thought it was really weird too because he he sparks it as well with something with something, doesn't he? The bottle is milk and it looks like no. It, the okay, it's milk and a rum thing. Yeah, but it, yeah, like that—that that might be some kind of comment, like on the start when he puts the, you know, he puts the alcohol in the milk, and now the milk is in the alcohol. That could mean something. I don't know, but yeah, that scene just just uh, confused me, because like just after that is when HW learns what well, like it. It seems like that after that HW learns that uh, it's a fake Henry, but maybe he already knew at that point and. I don't know, Daniel was like, angry at him for it or something, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, if that's it, one scene in the film, I might, like, don't really get. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't just like, I guess maybe at the time I just wrote it off as like, it was like hearing medicine or some bullshit. Obviously, that makes no sense. You can't cure deafness, but. Oh, right. Is that, is that, did the, I'm just trying to think, because he definitely did see, he definitely did see a doctor first, like not not the actual doctor that teaches him, you know, not the specialist or whatever that teaches him sign language. But there was another doctor. Was that before that? Maybe. I think so. Well, that that would make sense with what Jaden said that he puts on something in the uh, in the drink, in the milk. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think yeah, it could just probably be like nineteenth century ignorance, twentieth century, like early twentieth century ignorance about like perhaps just by shoving this in his mouth we can cure it. What do you think of the cinematography, Jay? Yeah, it's cool. I, I I went into it wanting to pay attention to it because like I I like I, like hearing just hearing you boys talk about it, I, I knew it was something to pay attention to. Um, and like yeah, it was it was really nice and like you know, but like um, I like I don't feel like it was anything glorious. Uh, with um, like I think there the, 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 there are occasions where like it's really spectacular, but like I mean. If you can identify, like, like I, I remember Roger Deakins said that if, if um, you know, our, like the goal of the cinematographer is to be, is to make sure that people can't say, "Oh, I really like that frame alone," because then you failed as your job. Not necessarily, failed, yeah. you, know, you know, you have you haven't fully delivered on on making every frame memorable. So the fact that in my mind I can identify, you know, six or seven, you know, shots here and there, you know, like I think the cinematographer is good but I don't think it's as good as it could have been. I think that Roger Deakins' quote is really weird, to be perfectly honest, just because that example he's talking about of if you can identify certain shots, then the cinematographer's not doing their job, that has never in my mind existed more than when I'm watching his cinematography. Yeah, like I was thinking about <laughs> 2049, only how we talked about it. Yeah, yeah, totally. But Plenty it, of others and I mean, Skyfall. When we're talking about 2049, you yourself said that every frame is a painting. You said you wanted to frame every every you know. You said you wanted every. No, that's. So I mean, like that. That's. 
I mean, that's true, but but nonetheless, there were like we were talking about. Like I, I pointed out like three that really stood out to me, and I feel like if that's what he's talking about, you know what I mean? If he's saying you, you should be able to identify anything in particular, and yeah, I could, uh, I totally could. Yeah, I guess like that's kind of like, but like I think we can all agree that the entire like the entirety of twenty forty nine is, is spectacular, and then there's like you know three or four things that are just you know kind of stand out. Whereas in this film, I feel like it's kind of six or seven things out of spectacular and no, I mean, it's rather mundane. The lighting in 2049 is amazing and the cinematography is still great, but like, I think the cinematography in this is just way better. Mm, just, like, yeah, I reckon you're wrong. Frame, a painting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're comparing things right. both like, you know, spectacular and cinematography, but... I mean, like, right, look, to, to, put, to put it into a better context, I think the cinematography in No Country for Old Men is better. And that, that like, you know, so now we're comparing two films with a, with a similar setting. I think... I don't um, see that at all. Like, oh, just... Even the start, like, the blues at the start when he's, like, at, at the at the at the cave and, like, the lighting when he's, like, hitting the, you know, hitting the silver rocks, it's just... Like, I don't know how they even achieved that. It's just, like, incredible. And, like, um, when they go to the open fields, like, they're, they're uh, you know, going across the whole of Bandy's tract and all those shots are just, like... I don't know. I think it's like one of the best achievements in like cinematography that, that I've seen. Hold on. I, I realized I tried to use No Country for Old Men as another grounding, but didn't Dagan shoot that as well? He did. Ah, shit. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, like, look, no, like, like I, th- I, I think the cinematography is good, but I, I, like, like I said before, at the start, is you know, kind of bit, I, like, it, it could have been better, just personally. I'm kind of of the mind that. I totally get what you're saying, Jaden, but I'm actually I'm more with Fitzy in terms of I think I think us as passive film viewers, and I think most people that watch films and don't have experience creating them fall into this trap, and I think we all do it. And that is, we look for when we're actually complementing cinematography, we're not really complementing cinematography in the way that it's created. We're more we're more just talking about what we find really visually appealing wow, that was really pretty, that was gorgeous yeah. or whatever. And that's not really – I wouldn't imagine all cinematography is. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that this movie actually achieves the Roger Deakins quote better than any other movie I've ever seen in that I totally I – feel, I feel what you're saying, Jaden. There was nothing where I was like, dude, that's stunning. But everything felt so deliberate and on point where, you, I don't know, like the, uh, so many things come to mind as set pieces – that are elevated by the cinematography, but never did I feel like I was looking at a painting in the same way that, you know, we pointed out for bloody Blade Runner and other things. Yeah. Like, I feel like 2049 has like, like bigger feeling cinematography. I don't think that's better. Like, I don't think the cinematography in a Nolan film is like better than a Paul Thomas Anderson film. That's just. Right. I mean, there's something more inherently appealing, I think about, you know, seeing interstellar and seeing space and shit just as you know as film viewers than seeing bloody 1910 uh california you know what i mean i can yeah well personally i don't i can see how yeah most people would see that but just yeah. on like a composition composition level like that doesn't mean it's you know better if it's if it's like bigger and has more beautiful elements of like lighting and stuff you know yeah, no I, 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 no, I agree with that. But um, I think you're underselling Nolan here because, I mean, I think the composition and the framing in Dunkirk is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's 10 films, so, I mean, depends which one we're talking about, I guess. But, 
like just in, in general, I feel like uh, trying to support what Zach was saying, just with the you know, yeah, the idea that bigger is better. Yeah, yeah, and also just you know inherently aesthetically pleasing also is kind of a factor, I guess. I mean, it's subjective as well. You know? Oh, of course, of course. Don't like, like personally, this is way more aesthetically pleasing to me than telling you know than the films I've mentioned, but. Oh, yeah, no, d- yeah, I-, I totally get that. I- yeah, it is just the fact that it is something I feel like we have to think about when we're discussing it, you know what I mean? Did you watch it with subtitles on, Jane? Because I just, I just need to ask you, like, were you confused about the Eli Paul twin thing? Um, I, I, did, I didn't watch it with subtitles, and I was confused with the twin thing because, but I wasn't, I, th- I, th- I wasn't confused, but I, was, I wasn't confused for the wrong reasons, you know? I just thought that when we got to the farm that, this Eli character was just, I, I thought that this was just a charade he was putting on the for the family because he didn't want the family to know that he'd already seen um, um, Daniel. So I just thought that that was just a new act and that was, you know, they were starting that again. So like, you know, like, like watching it, I wasn't confused. And then at the end when it kind of said, oh, you know, you know what to do with your brother, whatever. I was like, oh shit. So um, yeah. Trivia time linking to this. Paul Dano was originally only going to play Paul. So he was only going to be in that one opening scene where he tells Daniel about uh, the town. But whoever was playing Eli, I don't know, they might have said I, I didn't grab it, whatever. Whoever was playing Eli dropped out, um, leaving Paul Thomas Anderson to make the decision that Paul Dana was going to play both roles. And that's why there's no actual explicit mention of the script that they're twins because they weren't meant to be twins. You know what I mean? All we get, you're right, at the end is the the kind of realisation moment where Daniel's like, Paul was the, was the right brother. Paul's the legend these days, you know? Um, and yeah, there's no mention of them in twins or anything. I wonder who, who was that original cast. Cause I wonder if I would have liked that performance better. Cause you know, how I was talking about before. Uh, oh yeah. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. But um, no, no, I, I, yeah. I, I was confused about this too. I remember when I, what I had done actually, I'd watched, I want to say like the first hour of this movie and like, and then I like left it for a week, I think. And then I remember Fitzy was the one that told me, Oh, you realize like, they're twins, right? I'm like, what? <laughs> so he like told me, and then I went back to the movie afterwards and finished it, and I was like, oh, okay, this this makes way more sense now. Dude, going into this film, I knew there was something to do with milkshakes, but um, <laughs> I, I had no I had no idea what it was about because like I'd seen so many memes about like you know drinking milkshakes. I was like, oh, maybe Daniel Plainview's drink of choice is just milkshakes or some shit. And then like oh, throughout man. the throughout the entire film, there was no milkshakes. I was like, oh, that's a bit confusing. And then it gets to the end, and he's and he's screaming at um, Eli. You know, I drink your milkshake. And I was like, ah. <laughs> well, that's that, that's something I don't feel like you know we, we have really talked about or really sold well enough about this movie. And I mean, it could have belonged, I guess, in the performance area. But uh, regardless, it's just this movie is just so many memorable little moments. You know, not a whole lot really crazy happens in this movie, really, but. Just so many little lines of dialogue and bits oh. and pieces stand out so much. The friggin' milkshake, there's a reason it's memorable because it's friggin' awesome. You know, uh, uh, what is it? B- Bastard from a basket, the third revelation, you know, so on and so forth. There's so many crazy lines that just stand out in my head. Yeah, um, the, the scene where uh, HW jumps off the... Uh like the deck of the Eli porch, I think it is, or some kind of porch, and then Mary jumps with him, and then it cuts to, you know, 1927 oh, or whatever. That's like so my, good. that's probably my, like, my favourite edit. It's just so, like, it, it reminds me of 
assimilated it in like 2001. It's just, it's just, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. It, it felt so right for for the the. I wasn't expecting when I watched it the first time. I wasn't expecting the story to jump there, but when it does, it feels yeah, it feels like, so right. Just on a like on, they jump down, and then when they cut to 1927, it's on Mary, and it goes it like goes up, and like that motion mm. in the film is just like so mesmerizing. Yeah, there's a lot of moments like that. That just—I just realized that the film, like, completely, like, it jumps from like what 1911 to 27. I mean, that that skips, you know, World War One, and I mean, like, Daniel Plainview would have made so much bloody money off that. I, I mean, dude, we haven't even talked like the way that he just pronounces everything, dude. Oh yeah, it's, like, voice. it's, it's voice hilarious, dude. Yeah, I think it's the best voice acting that I've like ever seen. But like, and, and, he's, he's method, yeah. right? So like, like he would have been like using that accent like outside of the film as well, right? Probably. God, I, I, I couldn't imagine that. Could you imagine he just walks into, like, you know, some modern-day establishment, like some just, like, shitty coffee shop, and he yeah, starts speaking like that? I mean, like, God. Oh, yeah, dude, it's so good. Like, um, uh, you know, the whole the speeches he gives, they're just phenomenal, and about how some of them were improv which I don't even understand how a human being can improv that, like, and, and know your character that well. It felt so right. It was insane. And I know that, um, like, weird method... Uh, Day Lewis shit, like he was listening to Eminem, like all the time when he's not on set, like he's there in it with his like earphones in listening to Eminem. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. But just the yeah, the way he says like when and he, I love the whole end mansion bit, we, which we haven't even gone into a lot of detail about. But like when he um he tells HW, "You'll be my competitor." So good. <laughs> Well, it's it's interesting because like now now that you said the the Eminem thing, like I know that um, like I I, I know that like because like with the way they emphasize the all on the end of that, I know that sometimes in in his songs, he he kind of oh, wow. he he kind of does focus on the on like those long draws of like you know like the ors and the ah uh, you know it's like maybe he was using Eminem to like kind of get that 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 kind of accent you know. That's awesome. That's awesome. Is it is it weird that like you know. Saying that on paper, he was listening to Eminem, you know, when he's making a film set in the early ni- uh, 20th century, right? But is it weird that, to me, it makes sense? Like, it, I totally see it in a weird way. I see playing View listening to Eminem weirdly. I don't understand why, but it's crazy. <laughs> like, what are you saying that, I guess? I don't know. Just, like, the kind of the, the strong personality that he is, maybe. It, it, it kind of maybe resonates with the side of him that we see, you know, when he goes on his rants to the freaking the union oil people or, or no, what the standard oil company people, whoever those, those businessmen were, you know, how he just kind of, I don't know, dropping the Eminem part for a second. What about those? Scenes? <laughs> I don't know where I was going with the Eminem thing, but uh, those scenes though, do they, they're kind of a question mark for me in terms of understanding Daniel as a person in terms of why he takes such offence to these people who barely insulted him at all. You know what I mean? And, he, and he, it treats it like such a big deal. It's such a kind of hyperbolic, um, you know, speech he gives and, and front he gives to them, I guess. Sorry, is this when um, he just gets HW back, right? No, HW. Well, yeah, well, well, to the twice, the, when, he, when HW isn't there and they ask, you know, I hope your son's okay, and he's like, you know, don't uh, tell me how to parent my son. And then it yeah. happens the second time in the restaurant again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is it because, I don't know, does he see himself 
as a family person and, and the slightest... Or is it this insecurity of him uh, uh, that he has, maybe, that he knows he's not, but he really kind of maybe wants to be, and the thought of someone challenging that really upsets him? He wanted to do the pipeline with Union because then he could do it by himself. So he, he, he didn't want Standard. He, he, they would just be giving his oil over to Standard. And as he said, he, he wouldn't have yeah. anything to do with it. I think... But I, I think at that point, he's like... Uh, He's upset that his son is gone as well. So I guess it's just both again, things. Yeah, the dichotomy again, you know, where it makes sense for him to be, yeah, not be a fan of this conversation happening, this relationship from a business perspective. I, I don't know, maybe I feel like that is kind of the heart of why he's actually upset though. Because at the end of the day, the, the business dude that works for that oil company really didn't say anything crazy at all. He was just like... But didn't he say something just like, oh, I hope, uh, you know, I hope your son's okay. I hope, you know, I hope... whatever, something like very passive along those lines, nothing egregious at all. And then as a jolly's like, don't tell me how to parent my kid or some shit. Yeah. No, he just doesn't want to give his oil over probably. Have you got the uh, piece of trivia about how uh, PTA um, like moved the days around so that they get revenge or whatever? No, go. Yeah, tell me. So the scene where Daniel slaps Paul and like almost drowns him in the mud uh, was filmed on one day, and then the next day is the baptism scene where uh, you know Eli gets to slap Daniel around. So he, he positioned it so that like Paul could get his uh, you know, his revenge on uh, on. That's great. On what you, yeah, Daniel. Wait, what's the actor's name? Daniel. Daniel. Uh, I was gonna say Daniel. Ugh, it's so confusing. Daniel Plainview. Yeah, when 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 Paul Dano's character introduced himself as Paul first as well, I was like, oh, Paul Thomas Anderson was really inventive on this film. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Uh, but I love how you know. I've very much almost made that mistake a few times in this conversation. I feel like I was about to, I'm trying to say Day Lewis, but I'm about to say Plain View. I feel like the, the two things just merge together so much. That uh, that baptism scene, though. Uh, God, I was about to say Plain View's performance. No shit. The performance there is so good. And it probably is partly on, on the page as well, because I feel like that's that thing where, you know, he obviously does not want to be there whatsoever. He does not want to do this, but he's doing it so he can get the, uh, the other, the bandy, I think was his name, get his land. So he's there doing that. And I feel like in any other traditional kind of using traditional uh, screenwriting philosophies in, in any other movie, that would be the kind of thing where the protagonist is like, you know, his name's getting called up or whatever. And he's like, Oh, I don't want to do this or like sulking. And then he goes up and does it reluctantly. But the, but the fact that Daniel was like, clearly hated it but was also really enthusiastic at the same time and you can clearly like see how he's like putting it on he's like i, I thought it was really good i mean he does do a bit of sulking on, on the way there he he, he 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 um he delays it as much as possible he, it's a very slow walk there and he's he is a bit reluctant oh yeah but no yeah, true, I, I, I do yeah no i do i do it, it's for sure different you know he yeah I agree with yeah that. it wouldn't play out like that in other movies i don't think no very good very good is there anything to talk about with with uh, Paul's death? Re- oh, excuse me, Eli's death, really? Other than just you know, I love, I loved it. I loved how it happened. I didn't love the. Really? Well, there you go. This is good. Yeah, I mean, like, like, uh, like, I don't, I don't really think I have any 
valid reason as to why I didn't like it. I just didn't enjoy it. I, 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 I don't think... I don't think I enjoyed seeing Plainview's character descend that far. Not that, not that, not that we hadn't seen him kill before, because obviously we'd seen him kill Henry. But this is a, this was a, this this was like a, a madness had overtaken him, and like you know, mm-hmm. like um, to 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 bludgeon someone to death with a bowling pin is um, you know, rather extreme, and like. The weird thing is, I can see his character doing it, so it's it's not really even a problem with the character. It's just there's there's something within me that didn't like that part, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I think the movie did a good job in that entire mansion 1927 sequence of making it really. De- de- he has kind of descended into some level of madness where you know w- when they walk in, he's he's just like the furniture's all over the place. There's glass all over the floor because he's like just shooting anything as target practice. He's, we find him sleeping in the middle of the bowling alley. Like I feel like all of those things are like make me able to buy it. Yeah, but you know, by the end, I, I would have liked to see why he descended that far. You know, I mean, because like from for like from our last view of him, you know, in in 1911, he's still relatively normal. Yeah, we he's losing it a bit, but to to see you know in those like 17 years what what occurred to 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 to, to draw him into that state, you know, I would have been oh, yeah. a bit a bit more curious about. Was he yeah, perhaps involved no, in the war more than we think? Was was he affected by I don't know some weird shit that happened? You know, I think, but you I, know. I think he just has like nothing to do anymore. Like, I I feel like he like he conquered the oil business like too much. Now he's just just unsatisfied. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like I get what you mean. We are never really explicitly shown that or anything. I, I feel like the movie does a fair enough job of. Where that jump doesn't feel illogical. Like I totally. Oh no! I, I, I think yeah. The, the, uh, like I, I do like the jump, but yeah, I would have liked a bit more to know why Daniel's now like that. I, I just like how the the death scene, the bludgeoning with the the bloody bowling alley pin, like how you know I've laughed multiple times when I'm talking about it because it really does feel like a comical scene. It it feel to me like it plays out like in a comedy sort of, and, and it totally works in a weird way. Where that's the last thing that happens. The way they kind of, he's like chasing him around the bowling alley and you know like running behind objects. He trips. It, it just feels like it belongs, you know, in a comedy, but also doesn't feel out of place. It's really strange, and it's also very violent, obviously. Oh, oh, the the theme at the very end, like the credits theme. Um, I didn't know that turned up earlier in the movie. It was like it was halfway through the movie as well. I think like when they open the well. Yeah, when they open the well. Uh, that oh. that theme played as well. Right. Huh. And there's um there's prospectors. I think my favorite theme in the film is a uh, prospectors arrive, which plays when the like working men arrive on the train, like just after I think he convinces people off to get their land. And then there's another theme called prospectors quartet, which maybe plays later in the movie and is like a little different and like slower I feel like that happens a bit in the movie like there's things play twice you know it goes back to the whole dichotomous thing it's kind of played twice a little bit changed by the end they're a bit more uh, demented yeah definitely definitely yeah the the credit music was great I loved it yeah and some people some people think that he didn't actually kill Eli at the end, like he was just him imagining it. Because like oh. um, the 
like the guy, you know, his his like his waiter or whatever. Yeah. He's like doesn't Alfred. Yeah, Alfred. Doesn't seem like he's like seen anything. Yeah, but is that just him being so blase to, to, to you know, serving Daniel for years that he's used to his antics or is that you know? I mean, just, yeah, that's how what I saw it as. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, he killed someone, right? Like he would see. Yeah, but I mean, like if you're on a massive payroll and you know you're used to this kind of behavior, and you yeah, know like, it's just your job to get rid of them. I mean, like. But he has like no reaction. Like. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it wasn't even like an eye roll. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Eli. Some people say Eli like looks the same as well. Like he doesn't. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't look like he aged. But I don't know if I fully buy that as well. Oh, well. Daniel doesn't really look like he aged that much either. Yeah, and then they added, like, a touch of grey, and, like, that's it. Yeah. Touch of grey and a hint of madness. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, you just look I don't know. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I don't know, I feel like that idea, I had never heard of that. I feel like that kind of kills the scene, if, if that's the idea. Because that would feel really out of place. Like, never, never really in the rest of the movie, to my recollection, is there any kind of suggestion that anything is a, is a potential dream sequence in any way. And that it, that just kind of betrays a movie's visual language then. Yeah, like, I don't know. If it makes I, no I, attempt I, to I communicate it. personally interpret it that way, but... Yeah, yeah. All right, out of 10. I'll give it a 10. Um, I gave it a 9 last time. Everything I've said here, it's just amazing. Isn't it just great? Everyone's in full agreement. Ten, right? Yeah. But um, I don't know. Like everything that I, I wasn't positive about last time, just re- this rewatch, knowing the story, subtitles all contributed to kind of just create this full picture of something I absolutely adore. Henry's the only part of the movie that I'm like, eh, don't know if th- this fully connects with me. But it's definitely not a major criticism. And and like Vitti said, it does kind of serve a thematic purpose in the end, regardless. I'll give it a ten as well. Yeah, I feel like I've said everything, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give it an 8. Uh, at the start of this conversation, I would have given it a 7, but after just talking through it and talking a bit more about the characters and their motives, and, like, I still don't like their motives, but, you know, like, the understanding that, you know, like, like hearing Liam's perspective is interesting and hearing, you know, your, your interpretations, you know, it's just changed me to an 8, so. Cool. I mean, eight's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then, but then you say that, and I'm like, oh, I mean, but did I really feel it was great? I don't know. Yeah. Look, I'm going to give it an 8 now, but we'll come back next week and I'll say it's a 7. We'll, sure. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> the week after, it'll be a 4. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Robert Pattinson has Dorona, and therefore production has ceased on the Batman for now. What does this mean? I hope Rob gets well, get well soon, and get back into that suit. You know what I mean? Selfish me. Hurry up and finish the movie so I can watch it in two weeks, please. Realistic expectations of mine. But anyway, yeah, so there you go. I mean, that's kind of the big story I feel like this week. Anything to add? No. No. Not really. Very good. Cooper Hoffman, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, will be leading Paul Thomas Anderson's next movie, which is apparently a 70s drama. I just Googled that as Fitzy told it to me, and and that's what it said. So, uh, yeah. Could he be great? Yeah. Sure. He hasn't been in anything yet. He'll come out of the gate swinging, maybe. He'll blow us all away. It's, uh, a 
it's funny that's happening, and uh, as well as you know, um, James Gandolfini's son playing, uh, you know, playing Tony. Dude, Fitzy, what is happening with that movie? Where is it? It, it apparently was shot a year ago. Where is it? It was supposed to come out this year, wasn't it? I think so. I think so, but I feel like I said that last year too. I feel like it's all over the place. We've known about it for years. I thought, yeah, I think it'll come out this year. I w- yeah. I mean, I would like to think it is just a Rona thing and that, you know, it would be out by now. But also, like, I feel like in 2019 we thought it was coming out in 2019, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. I'm excited for that movie. Seeing young Gandalfini in there. Dude, he looks the part too. Oh, yeah. He looks great. I just want to hear a couple more. Ew's. Sorry for just isolating half our audience. Or pretty, actually, I should, regardless, I should say, yeah, all of it. The entire audience. Uh, all two people. <laughs> we enjoyed it, though. We enjoyed it. I didn't. You even isolated some of your uh, contributors. Oh, I only meant me and Fitzy, obviously. You didn't yeah, like obviously, it. yeah. But we don't really care. No. We don't really care if you don't like it. But you will like this, The Haunting of Bly Manor teaser. Jaden, tell us. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, a teaser is really for Haunting of Bly Manor. That's, uh, that's, about, that's about all there is. Um, neither of you watched the first uh, season. Well, I mean, I say first season, but it's an anthology series. Um, I think This that's, is a Netflix show, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's brilliant. It's, 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 it's such a fantastic mix of, like, you know, drama and horror. And... Um, like I, I'm really keen, and and like um, so the first one was adapted from a Shirley Jackson novel, The Haunting, and this one is now being adapted from another classic horror novel. I think it's The Turn of the Screw. I think that's what it's called. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just a teaser trailer and show, showing us, you know, some characters, and you know, it it looks like more of the same stuff. Which, if that's the case, then that's very good because you know, the first season was brilliant. Is it starring anyone I know? Um. I don't remember the cast. I don't remember the names of the cast. Um, I, th- I have a feeling you might know the main guy. Um, I'm not sure what his name is. Though. Wait, so... Uh, yeah, I asked because I vaguely thought I did too. Wait, so is it is it haunting? Is it like the same series or like... It's, it's, it's an time? anthology series. So the first season was The Haunting of Hill House um, and this one's going to be The Haunting of Bly Manor. And it's just, they're, oh, okay. they're just adapting... You know, uh, just like classic gothic novels. I don't know if this is news or not, but like, um, didn't the boys of uh, season two came to Prime, right? I was going to ask you about, like, you've seen the first season of music, I was going to ask you about, for sure. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it came to Prime last night, and I'm looking forward to jumping into season two. Hmm. Well, how's the first season? Really great, really great. Definitely recommend it. Do you know anything about it, Fitzy? Um, yeah, like, like the, they're superheroes, but they're, like, shit people, and there's, like, the guy who, he's, they killed his wife, and they, he wants to kill him, right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Kind of like Watchmen. It is very much inspired by Watchmen, there's, like, direct Watchmen references. Uh it in itself is a comic too. Like the, the boys' comic, it, it, like reference the the Watchmen comic. You know what I mean? So it's like kind of weirdly meta. And then it comes out to this show, and then it's kind of still the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Definitely some inspiration there, but it, it takes more of a comedic approach than Watchmen does. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I've seen like some of the like memes and stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. What's our highlight of the week? 
I've realised that I haven't written anything down and I'm going to have to think about this for one second, so someone else go. Um, I'll jump in. Not necessarily my highlight, but I think I should talk about it since we reviewed Westworld on the show. Um, I watched the oh, original yeah. Westworld, you know, 1973, I think, Michael Christian. Um, is that how you say his name? Christian? Critch? Critch? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Oh, Crichton. Crichton? I, I have no idea, because I, I, think, I, I think I'm adding an extra C in there that I shouldn't be. Is he the Jurassic Park? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, dude, that shit's so different. Like, there's, like, you can kind of see, like, the outline of Westworld Season 1 in that movie, but, I mean, like, it's so different. Like, um, you know, like, even in, like even tonally, I mean, not, not, not only just story-wise, but, like, tonally, it's very much more audience. Like, like it's, it, it, it's, it's for a wider audience of, like, you know, kids and shit. Um, you know, we're introduced to this idea of three parks at one time, and, you know, we're kind of just... Mm-hmm. We're kind of just told that these two blokes are going on a bit of a mate's holiday, you know, bit of the old lads, 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 and uh, you know, and then like you know, we kind of have the malfunction that kind of like sends shit to like you know. So I mean, like th- there are remnants of, you know, what we see in season one of you know the twenty sixteen series, but um, yeah, it's very different. But it's 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 okay. It's um, it's a bit cartoonish, but I kind of just chalk that down to the times and the subject that it is, because I mean, when you have right. like. A sci-fi film about you know sending people not sending people back but like you know giving people the experience of that I think you know and you're making it in the seventies naturally some of the um material is going to come across as a bit exaggerated. How long is it? Uh, it's not very long. Probably like hour thirty, hour forty, I think. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, maybe I'm just misremembering, but yeah, it 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 it, it flies by. I'll jump in now. I guess. Oh, uh, do you want to go fifty? Sorry. Um. I don't really have anything. I'll jump in. I finished The Last Kingdom on Netflix. I talked about it a few weeks ago. I was halfway through at that point, but I finished it now. And, oh, I mean, like, I finished the four seasons that are available. It was recently renewed for a fifth season, which is good. I'm very happy about that. And the show's really good. I really like it a lot. Um, I would definitely recommend it if if you're into something that, like, you know, want kind of a medieval story, you know what I mean? Cool characters. It's a very easy watch, you know. It's a very light watch. It's nothing too deep or too complex that you, you're going to lose track of or anything like that. I don't want to discredit it at all because I do think, you know, the core of the story is really interesting. I think it's thematically interesting. Um, it's based on a series of novels, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, the central character dynamics are cool. I really like them. The protagonist of the show and his kind of position in the world that exists in that in, in that. Uh, period in England is really interesting because it's at a time when um bloody uh you know back in the days when uh dude, I, I know <laughs> not very uh great with history but like you know when like England was a bunch of different kingdoms and shit I think it was like right before it became one kingdom um and there's like you know, Viking kingdom. invasions yes exactly exactly and there was a bunch of um and this is when you know there's all Viking invasions and shit like that and basically the protagonist of the show is um, this dude who was born an English dude, but then was raised by Vikings, um, kind of thing. So then, uh, inherently, the, the protagonist of the show is kind of torn between the two worlds, and that's kind of really what the show is thematically at its core is about identity and kind of about this quest to unite England and what is England and all these things. And I, I really like that side of it. I think it's really well done. But um, you know, plot wise, it's pretty straightforward stuff. You know, it's mainly just. 
basically every season kind of chalks down to we've got to kill the Danes and unite England in this very specific way for this season. Um, with some good political, you know, intrigue, backstabbing kind of happening on, happening on the side as well. So, uh, no, yeah, I'd recommend it. It's not like an amazing show, but I'm definitely, you know, when the next season comes around, I'll definitely be watching it day one. I'm excited. Okay, let's get into our question of the show. Uh, last week we asked you what who your favourite actress is, I believe. Yes, that was it. No, that yeah, yeah, we did the dog one today. I can't, don't jump ahead a week. I'm too excited for the dog answer. Luke said, I don't think that I have a particular favourite actress. In the sense that I actively follow their career and look forward to movies based on their participation in its construction. Well, I, I mean, that's fair enough, Luke. I don't think I do that either. Much. I don't think I do. But I suppose I've seen a lot of Maggie Smith and Emma Watson largely due to their involvement in Harry Potter. Emma Thompson is a good laugh as well. Some good answers there. The Maggie Smith one definitely resonates with me, 100%. She's great. Any Maggie Smith love out here? Um, I honestly don't know what she's been in other than Harry Potter. I mean, like, I'm sure I've seen some of the films, but, like, I, I can't think of anything now. Another, yeah, another hallmark. I mean, I've seen, I've seen her in a few other little things, I think, along the way. But a major hallmark for me for her was also Downton Abbey, which I've seen a fair bit of. Never finished it, but I've seen a fair bit of it. Dude, oh, she's killer in that, dude. Holy shit. She's got some uh, she's got some amazing lines, like some one-liners that I still say around the house to this day because they're hilarious. But uh, what are our answers? And by our, I mean your. Uh, this is the most basic answer I could possibly hear, <laughs> but um, like the Scarlet right. uh, probably... Probably one of my favorite. I like should just be in like too many things that I really uh, love, like Under the Skin, uh, Marriage Story, Her, Awesome Translation, all those. But uh, mm. I'll just you, you guys mentioning t- like Harry Potter and TV shows. I just thought like Edie Falco in The Sopranos as well. Like oh yeah, uh, just incredible. Um, and uh, and uh, I think Michelle Williams as well. Uh, just in like. Manchester and Manchester by the Sea and stuff like that. But yeah, those three, I guess. I feel real stupid I didn't think of TV. Eddie Falco, totally. Great answer. You can go, Jaden, if you like. Hey, I, uh, sorry, um, are you not going to go, Finny? I'll go if you like. I can, you want me to go? Yeah, you go, because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. Okay. I've got a... Uh... Anna Darmus is a recent one for me. You know, I definitely haven't seen enough of her. No time to die. That's gonna that's gonna be fun. But uh, you know, Blade Runner, obviously, we talked about her plenty a few weeks ago. She's great. And then also, but mainly on honestly, probably Knives Out, for sure. She was terrific in that. Um she she really, you know, the point of that character is to really kind of be the moral compass of the movie, for lack of a better term, to kind of ground the movie with that that central perspective. And she just nails that. She's so good. And then uh, and then other than that, like, you know, Emma Stone as well. I threw her down. Not because – I don't know if there's a particular Emma Stone performance that I love, like nailing one down, but she just always pops up in everything. You know what I mean? Like she continues to surprise me. Like she's popping up in comedies and friggin' musicals, in really grounded dramas, and she always kind of hits it out of the park. Yeah, he loved her in La La Land and music. Oh, of course. Loved her in La La Land as much as I loved La La Land. 
Wait, hold on. Did you say Emma Stone or Emma Watson? Emma Stone. Ah, oh, sorry. I I, I, th- I I heard Watson. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Stone's a good shout. Is it my turn now? Sure. Um, yeah, I think I'm going with Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, I think she's great. Mm. You know, I think Split was where I was first heard of her. And then, like, you know, going into, like, The Witch and Thoroughbreds and Maribone and you know, like everything else that she's done. I th- I, like, she's consistent and I think she's really, really great. Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting though because like um, I, was, I watched Maribyrn this week and it also had Mia Goth in it. And I think Mia Goth is severely underrated. So I also want to like give her a shout because she's brilliant. I don't know if I know who that is. She's um, she's really great and like she's a – I'm surprised we don't hear about her more because she's in such great projects. She's like – she's in like – um. She was in this video and like, you know, Acute Wellness and she was in the new Emma film and she, you know, and like, she's kind of that young actress up and coming that's, you know, you kind of like, you know, your Saoirse Ronan's, your Florent Pugh's and like, you know, your whatever's, but you know, mm. you don't really see her name mentioned that much. So no. I think uh, I want to give her a shout too because, you know, getting a shout in Center effects great. Oh yeah. yeah. Dude, it's going to boost their career into stardom. Yeah. I only know Anya Taylor Joy from those M Night movies so far. I think she was uh, yeah. she she was also in the uh, the the Dark Crystal series on on Netflix. You, oh, did you right. watch that? No, I never saw that. No. no, definitely not. I just see the friggin' those weird. What are they? Puppets? Those weird things? I guess they're puppets, right? Or I don't know what if they're CG or whatever. I just see I've seen the image of them. They just terrify me. To oh. this day. Yeah. I will, we'll see uh, Anya Taylor-Joy in uh, the new moons when we finish our X-Men watch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Finish that through. Dude, that's going to be a historical moment watching that movie. Mm. Wasn't it? Yeah, it came out like two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm keen for it. Uh, like, um, I, I know reviews aren't the best, but I mean, like, you know my feeling for the X-Men series. I, I, I'm... I'm quite into them, despite, especially the new ones like you know Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix. I'm quite into them, despite the the reviews. So, I'm yeah. for new mutants. Do you think there'll be any kind of like references and shit? Like, are they going to even try with the whole universe thing at this point, considering it's dead? I think New Mutants was meant to stand on its own, and like, like I think like the direct, I'm pretty sure like the director wanted it to be its own kind of thing, didn't they? Yeah, that makes sense. Because it, because it was meant to be that little bit like he was kind of diving into like you know horror and shit like that. He wanted it to be that bit more experimental, or whatever like the thing is. Mm. So I have a feeling he might abandon like the universe idea, but who knows until we watch it. Exactly, exactly. It'll come to Disney Plus, probably not. I mean, probably in a few months, I would imagine. Like maybe like five months. Or they'll make you pay fifty dollars to watch it tomorrow. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Jane, you said, uh, like, didn't Hans Zimmer do the Dark Phoenix? Yeah, Hans Zimmer did the Dark Phoenix tour, which is banging. I'm actually looking forward to that, because, like, I don't feel like the other X-Men films have much of a score. All right, guys, we made it to the end. What are we watching next week, Fitzy? Um, next week we're doing, uh, a new Charlie Kaufman Netflix film. I'm thinking of ending things. Um... Which came out Friday, yesterday. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Yes. Oh, Netflix. Oh, did I already say that? Yeah, yeah, you did, but it's all good.
it's on Netflix. Reemphasized. People go and check it out. It's got Tony Collette. It's got the guy from Harry Potter, the British. Maybe no, he's not British. Is he? The British guy from yeah, Harry Potter. That one, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Lupin. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Clemens, uh, Jesse Pollens. Very good. All right. Thank you very much, guys, for chatting shit. Cheers. Thank you. Catch you all next time. Have a great rest of your week and goodbye. 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 Goodbye.